Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with our newly minted relationship with Sate Corporate Training. After 18 months and hundreds of conversations with the leaders, innovators, and the movers and shakers in our city, two things have become abundantly clear. The future of work has arrived, and it always has been all about the people. So whether you're an individual looking to upskill or an organization looking to reskill an entire division, SAIT has the team, the curriculum, and more importantly, the advisors to partner with you to build what you need to adapt for the road ahead. Do yourself a favor and take the time to learn a little bit more. Check them out at www.sate.ca slash corporate training. And more importantly, give them a call, have a consultation, and find out what SAIT can do for you. An extra warm and fuzzy hugs, YYC, uh, Collisions YYC, welcome to Mr. Jim Gibson. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? Thank you. It's been a while. It's, I'm glad to be back. You are part of the, the, the building blocks, the anchor, the foundation. You were episode one. I was looking back July 29, July 29th, 2019 is when we aired. I think we recorded it. So we're coming up on our two-year anniversary of sitting down. Let's just pause for, my goodness, how the world has changed since you and I first met. <laughs> I, I, I actually went back into my calendar looking, so when did we last chat? And in, in classic COVID fashion, kind of said, oh, that was seven, eight months ago. And in fact, it's, it's you know, 19 months ago or whatever, whatever the time was. And, and I, you know, you pick the right moment um, in time, I think, to, to kind of light the fuse on conversations with the ecosystems. And so I've just marveled and, and been delighted to watch the the way in which you've kind of captured the zeitgeist of what's going on and and just honored to be a, a part of the very first one so well th- yeah no it was tricky. i really didn't know where it was going to go that was one of those like <laughs> let's put it out to the world you know harebrained schemes sometimes uh, or you know best laid plans the plan was like let's try it and see what happens so thank you for being part of that and speaking of change my goodness how you, how your world has changed cuz if i'm not mistaken um, and i'm not cuz i went back and listened to our episode you had your dream job back then if, if and since then, Chief Catalyst, State School of Advanced Digital Technology. It, was this? Uh, I, my life was going awesome, and then this thing came along that was just like too good to pass up. Like, let's be blunt. <laughs> so you're right. So so I had started Thin Air previously with Greg and James, um, and and you caught me just as that was flying. And I'll t- I tell the story that in March, so a year ago, I get this email from a recruiter and we all get emails from recruiters, but you know, the title was chief catalyst school, uh, advanced digital technology state. And I went, first of all, who calls a job title chief catalyst? So that job was already in Uh, place before you were in the run. Okay. All right. That's good to hear the history. I I thought you might've contrived that one yourself, actually. No, you can't put, you can't put that on me. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I was, I was. I didn't call myself that, but I'll tell you, it caused me, I double clicked on the email. You know, I went, wait a second, that's something is good. I like that a lot. And so I opened it up and, and I'll tell you that, that reading the, the strategy of SAIT and then reading the job description, I told the recruiter and the team later at SAIT that it, I, I'd love to share it with, with your audience at some point, the way they described this job. Um, it was it was like it was written for my 30 year career. It was it was I, I was honored and delighted to be a part of the process and 
it is exactly the kind of thing that I had always dreamed of doing. And, and so uh, I, I said, I don't want a job. I've got the best job in the world. And I told the team at Seda, I said, I don't really want a job. But, you know, to their absolute credit, the, the executive and leadership team at the state said, Jim, part of the reason why we're interested in you is because of your connections to the ecosystem. So keep what you're doing at thin air. You know, don't, obviously this is your full-time, you know, job and, and you need to connect, but find a way to, to do the best of both worlds. Find a way to keep connected to this rocket ship of, of thin air which is talking to all of the startups, talking to the ecosystem, and bring that to bear on how you design and build a school. And I think I've, you know, fast forwarding, I think I've found a really wonderful balance on, on being able to still be connected. So anyway, I double clicked on that email a year ago and I, <laughs> here I am. So I appreciate a good headline and a good, you know, I'm not going to say clickbait, but if it gets you to click, you're already, you know, you're that third of a second to get to the next three seconds to kind of pull yourself down, down the story. Yeah. Uh, interesting. I, I just, I really appreciate the, you know, certainly what I want to talk to you a lot about today is kind of the gap and the talent and the upskilling and the needs for those skills to, to adapt to the future that are going on in our society. I love that they, they, that you kept your, your role. So it feels like a real like strategic move to keep the bridge of both those worlds. Cause I know in the past and I've had guests on and I believe and I'm a huge proponent of SAID because I believe they're working hard to, to break that gap. But there's always been the, well, there's what you learn in school and then there's what goes on in the real world. But that's happening so quickly now. You know, I'm assuming that that's a big mandate in the terms of the role is how do you guys get closer to what the actual needs are and being able to almost respond in like, quote unquote, like real time. And, and, and it's, you've, you've, you've kind of zeroed in on, I think, where, where again, the strategic plan of SAID and then ultimately the plan of the school and, and David Bissett's vision. Um, the way I call, the way I talk about it is, is education is, is really shifting into this idea that it's, it's a part of an entire ecosystem. And, and we hear that word a lot, but let me just break that down a little bit, just just because I think it's important, is that the degrees of separation between um, learning experiences, um, training, skilling, but also, you know, degree programs, masters, and, and such like that, the, the degree of separation between that event or those series of events and then what you actually do for a job and for, for your living is it, it, completely shrunk and it needs to shrink and continue to shrink. And the best model for that is to think about it as a network, as an ecosystem, so that my role and the role of SAID is actually to be, the, and I'm, I'm going to use the word, it's, it is to be that catalyst to say, listen, as I have these moments of learning and reskilling and upskilling, I need to really shorten the, the, the friction, the time, and the, the, the effort to get to deploying that in real projects, real work, real real employment. And so this artificial barrier between academia and then and even even in the applied trades like SAIT, which has a, a history of work integrated learning, we need to be able to create a much more seamless connection to the ecosystem. And so that's really what SADT, my, my school, is all about, is to say, listen, we're going to create programming both within the existing schools of SAIT, brand new programming, but I'm not going to stand anything up unless I have a really clear lens into how that's going to impact 
either an existing company, a brand new startup, et cetera, et cetera. So my programming now is deeply tied to how is the ecosystem emerging? Does that make, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah no, I, I want to, I'd like to unpack it even more because I, I, it, I Again, I've been circling around it with so many different guests and, you know, in your role and kind of what you guys are there to do to be the catalyst. So we're just going to keep dropping it through the whole episode. Yeah, we are. We yeah, are. It's, it, it works. It works. We get a dollar every time we say catalyst. Um, thinking about organizations that are undergoing change and, you know, digital change. You know, in our first episode, you and I talked a lot about just economic transformation and now the digital transformation, equal buzzy term, bolted on. Our companies, I guess, end up thinking about what level from enterprise down to mid-level to startups, are they clear what they even, what they need? And thinking about I'm at the executive level and I'm like, I've got this future strategy and I'm like, yeah, we're going to do more of X. Are they able to communicate effectively or is that part of the journey and, and part of the, the opportunity is to help even understand what they're, like, do they know what they're asking for versus know what you're responding? Thinking of them as the asker and you as the responder, as the educational body that's going to lift up these new skilled individuals. Is it clear enough or are we still figuring it out? I think we're still figuring it out. I think the idea that there's kind of a, a one-size-fits-all to how, especially established organizations are thinking about transformation and digital. What is digital? Mm -hmm. I think is I think there's a spectrum. I think there's some organizations, for example, who really understand it at the C level, understand it at the strategic level, but are struggling to make it real and 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 personal to the average worker in in the organization. So strategically connected, but not so much. Um, in, in the middle of the organization. The opposite is also true, where you get really smart people who are right on the edge, on, in the field, you know, really doing great work, but have, have struggled to get resources and, and, and strategic buy-in from leadership. So it's got to be the whole piece has to work. And so my experience is that there's a really broad spectrum. And so when, when you engage with a corporate uh, contact or you, you really have to do that assessment to say, where are you? And so one of the things that, that we're doing at the school is, is as we engage with both corporate training and individual learning, is we really have this, this concept of, of awareness, mindset, and skill. And this idea that before I can teach you stuff, you know, what's AR, VR, machine learning, all the greatest tools, I need to back it up a step. I need to say, do we understand the drivers of strategic change in your industry? So let's just, let's just spend the first third of our boot camp or our training program just talking about what's coming. And you can imagine having my, you know, writing my book on tip of the sphere, I, I, I care a lot about understanding what's coming. Mm -hmm. The second part of it is, is really, and I think you've talked to some of the folks at Inception, Margo and, and, and that team, they talk about mindset. So I might be aware of what's going on, but does my team or does my executive group have, have that systems thinking, critical thinking mindset around, I, don't, I, I need to be able to learn things forever now, not just one, one, one particular event. And so this middle ground of, of what we call mindset shift, so awareness, mind shift, mindset and then the last piece is the skill okay so now we're ready to go let's talk about machine learning let's talk about data let's talk about vr let's talk about blockchain but i don't want to do any of that until i got you ready and i think one, one of the things we're helping organizations figure out is don't skip steps 
don't try and jump to uh, let's go after that shiny blinky project or let's go after this skill because frankly it just needs to repeat itself. And is is the, is there a lot of that going on? Like you know, we we always want to talk about the do's, the don'ts, the goods, the bads. It's so easy to chase like technology running around looking for a solution kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. We the, the 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 word we use this is a thin air expression. This is a James Locker expression. Is fall in love with the problem. Don't fall in love with the solution. Fall in love with with you know and and you know and I say this Tyler all the time. Alberta, I would argue. And I, I think I said this in the first show, but Alberta has a lens into the biggest problems of the world. Like you think of energy, you think mm-hmm. of you think of you think of agriculture. So how we heat ourselves, how we eat, you know, water, health. I think we know the problems and we know what's what's at stake. And so my my advice and, and my conversation is fall in love with the problem. The solution will come. That, that that can be the harder road because you know you find a technology you get excited about it and then you run way to, yeah way way harder yeah <laughs> thanks to yeah pointing out the obvious over here but yeah it's so easy to run like oh we're going to do something in this area because you know I read a thing and this is going to be awesome versus really understanding what you're going to unpack so when you think about that transition of getting closer together and getting industry and getting getting the problem closer to the education that will then like you said eventually get to the skills are you seeing like thinking about small, medium, large, because we've got this, this burgeoning like startup scene. And you and I talked in our first episode of like, you know, we don't need 100 startups, we need 5,000 startups. You talk about that world where they're running around. It's interesting, they have different, like when you're a large organization, you have more to lose. Arguably, you have more to gain, but you tend to get a little more protectionist with what you've got, even though it might be slipping, it might be sand running between your fingers. Right. But when you're smaller, you're running around. So when you think about the school and the role you guys play, I guess just understanding like, how it differs from merging with those larger organizations that have a lot more skin in the game, a lot more, you know, shareholder, you know, uh, buy-in at stake versus the startup community in Calgary, which is new, but it's even since we've talked, it's getting a lot more brought together. It feels more like an ecosystem than a bunch of fragmented uh, little pockets of, of, of excitement. So when just mm-hmm. concerning just the role the school plays, how do you guys balance out the different needs of those different groups? Love it. I, I think I think you set that up really, really, really well. Tyler. I think the way I describe it um, in in my in my strategic document and you know where are we going? We talk about three categories of of, of learners and 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 folks who might look at us for help. Number one is what I call the job changers. So those are those are individuals who what our job there. I would argue. Tyler, is that our job is to, to understand what, what is known. What, is, what, what do they know about the domain in which, in which they come from? So, for example, you know, we, you know the, the classic story of the oil and gas um, field engineer who understands, he's a geo, geoscientist who understands quite a bit about geospatial data or reservoir, you know, understands data. But doesn't understand what is what is what does understanding data mean in a world of uh, algorithms and machine right. learning. So part of our role there is to help people be aware of the transferability of the skills that they're bringing to the table. So that's so we talk about th- this this category called job changers, and these are folks that either are are proactively going about and saying, you know, I see a dead end in my career and I need to shift, or they, in fact, have been laid off and they're going, what do I do now? 
Are you seeing? Just curious in that in that group. it, are are we are we I'm going to use a proverbial are we getting more proactive are we starting to go whoa okay I'm not just going to wait this out I'm not just going to keep my head down I Very see much. change coming and I've heard yeah. some pockets and little stories like so and so took two years but now all of a sudden they took their you know geology background and now they've parlayed it into this data new data role and now they're working with AI and algorithms so I'm hearing pockets of it but is it happening starting to happen more at scale in the city yeah it 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 really is and and i think i i i hold ourselves accountable as an educational institution especially an applied educational institution i hold ourselves accountable for helping helping create those stories and being very clear on what's possible the art you know that awareness thing that i talked about earlier that's part of the awareness to say listen these are some of the pathways that you can expect as as a job changer to make make you know make 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 yourself viable and then here's some of the essential competencies to get you through that. So Does it take a bit of a different category. mindset? That's the first it, category. It, it's not that I'm a job changer. It feels very different than I'm going to get a degree in X or Y or Z <laughs> and I'm going to go to school for this year's where now it feels a lot more like it is an a la carte menu of like, I've got this, I want to do that. Is that different for people even like, I guess it feels like you're almost now more responsible for your own, your own degree based on what you kind of bolt together than signing up for the three-year program with a very specific outcome. Like it just doesn't feel like our world lends that well to that anymore either. It, 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 you're, 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 you're right. And so that mindset shift of what does learning mean? And so we have a, you know, we talk about it at SAGE and, and other places. We talk about learning as a service. We've heard of software as a service, yep. but imagine, but imagine in, in five years, in the future, 10 years, I'm actually subscribing to a model of learning that basically maps my career. Mm-hmm. So LAS isn't quite as catchy as SAS, but anyways, we'll, we'll work on the acronym later. <laughs> well, we got to work on that. I'll, I'll, that's your job. You're the marketer, right? So, Touche. So, um, but but that notion that there's this continuous relationship with it, with learning and education, and so as as a as an institution, our job is to is to be a curator to some extent of some of those learning experiences to create that ongoing. Why would I come back? Why would I feel when I can go to Coursera for forty nine bucks? Why am I continuing my conversation with an institution like say? So learning is a service. And learning as a continuous process is something our job changers are going to buy, need to buy into, in my opinion. So that's that's that first category, and I think I think that we've only just begun on really creating effective programming on how to do that. But we're getting there. Some of our if, I, if I'm in my early twenties, which Jim, to be honest, neither neither of you. It's been a while since <laughs> you and I have been have been there. Do I do I already have that mindset coming in? Like I, I talk so much more with people that are already at a certain level or at a certain point in their careers. I don't have as much conversations with the 23-year-old or the 24-year-old or my niece and nephew that are both like late teens and trying to figure it out. Are they coming into the game with an always learning mindset? And, or is that, is that kind of new for everybody? Uh, I, you know, I, I don't have the data. Anecdotally, though, I would say they've, you know, a 23-year-old has come through the exact same system you and I did. Yes, so they've okay. come out of yeah. university as a BCom or a BSc or whatever, and they actually they they traverse that. Are they? Yeah, there was a path with an event at the end that then gave you permission to go do X kind of mindset, right? I think so, but I think I think our our digital natives are 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 super aware of their ability to affect their own change. So I think while they may have gone through that system, they're not accepting it as the 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 the. the the way it has to be forever. 
Yeah, this this social contract or this or this this promise that it's like if you do this, you'll get that at the end. The world in the last couple of years has you know, is flipped that model on its head. <laughs> so I just I just I think you asked a really good question before, and I just want to make sure I answered it. Is the the categories of of learners right? So the job changer is is an obvious one, and but you know because you, you talked about small, medium, large, and, and organizations, we flipped that on its head and said job changers is one. The second category we talk about is job creators, and that's where the the entrepreneurs and the scale ups, the the companies that we all are are watching in the news, holy, that's a different that's a different game right now because there's a couple of trends going on there, Tyler. That's really important. If I talk to CTOs and 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 and, and the leadership team of some of these growing startups, I can assure you that they believe that they're going to take talent. But they're going to shape them in their own in their own way. They have relatively low expectations of what's coming because they believe that they need to shape um, and, and and expend a fair bit of energy and effort to reshape them in in the culture and skills that are unique to that organization. I think that's I think that's a rational response to what's going on, but I don't think that's sustainable. I think organizations like ours need to feed that the beast, if you will, the scaling companies with new kinds of talent. That's why we're looking at things like product management as opposed to blockchain, you know, or, or maybe an and. Um, the people I talk to in the in air portfolio companies, yeah, they need full stack software. They need those folks with hands on keyboard. But I'll tell you the biggest gap for them, product, sales, executive leadership, those kinds of things. Man, oh man, you, you just you just can't build in a day. So and that's, I've heard that feedback is that you know if I could find a ten year salesperson who understands this this digital world, if I could get an eight year product manager, I would kill for that. I can get a junior person and train them up, but it's hard to get that mid tier level management. I've heard that from multiple guests even in the last six months. So so now com- now com- now connect the dots between the job changer world and the job job creators. And so as I look at a a 30-something who's come out of, you know, either, you know, in a business development or sales role. All I need to do, really, is really inject a little bit of understanding of what's the product life cycle look like in a, in a, in a scale-up, in a, in, a, in a tech firm. Um, what does that feel like? What does that look like? Because at the end of the day, customer relationship management, human relationship management is the same. The speed, the pace, the tools, and all of that are different, but there's, but there's, and so I want to start thinking that way uh, in terms of how we support some of the scaling companies, because that's a, that's a big one. So is that where you get into the world of micro credentialing and really understanding, assessing and really understanding where the gap is and then, then leaning and narrowing in right on that, the, the three things they don't know, not forcing them to kind of relearn different, a new version of things they've already been experienced with in the last kind of eight, five, six years of their careers? Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think I saw you had uh, our our director of Con Ed Biz. I did. What Biz is just he's awesome. I'm pulling and, a few, but I'm feeling a few a few words that in that he taught me. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I can tell it's good. Um, Biz and I are joined at the hip, and, and because Con and Continuing Ed and SADT um, are working together to figure out how how that all works, because because it, it's a bit there's 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 potentially cross threads if we're not careful with con ed but but we'll figure all of that out it's not a problem but viz has taken a real smart framework approach to think deeply about because 
badging, we could go chasing the latest badging solution and so forth. And, and mm-hmm. but you, but as an institution, I want to have a, a set of credentials that not only are understood by everybody, but are stackable. What that means is, Viz probably told you, is that X plus Y plus Z equals something that's of even more importance than just the individual credit. So I can stack them up. Second is that I need them to be fully transferable and, and, and aware and so that so that I don't have to worry that as I go from one place to the other, somebody won't recognize. That's what a degree always has yes. done in the past, is I know a BCom is a BCom. Is a, but now with micro-credentialings, we open up this whole this whole area of what's trust? What's the digital trust aspect? Well, when you get into credentials, wallets, and some of the blockchain- All those kinds of things. There's some really interesting stuff going on in Calgary. But really, it's a bespoke education that now has to be kind of, you still have to hold it up and go, see, like, see, I have all this. And it means, but I love what you said. It's not just all these pieces. It actually means that. And that feels like the new trends, like that's the new journey we're on from an employee and employer standpoint. You bet, you bet. And and so we're working really closely with with their team to really stay because that's going to hit that's exactly the kinds of people that we're going to be talking with, and we want to work really closely. Coming back to my comments about the ecosystem, we really want to work with the CTOs of of the large scaling up companies and say, what do you need? What what do you value? What are the what are the unique packaging of skills that you say, yep, that's what I, I I'll know that when I see it, and I'd like a, a credential around that. So. All the schools, all the post-secondaries, and just, you know, I want to mention this, Tyler, is that we're all working really closely together. This idea that there's this set of stovepipes or, or, or silos between Bow Valley and MRU and UFC, I'm, I'm in constant conversation with my colleagues there to say, listen, the problem is bigger than any one of us can figure out. There's going to be some stresses coming um, from the provincial government in terms of funding for sure. But the the opportunity to create, you know, the kinds of work that we need to do uh, is uh, requires us to work together. So uh, micro-credentialing and those kinds of things are examples of where that fits. So. Uh, just curious from the outside, you guys are also an organization going through change. How much is the change management process part of this journey for SAIT? You know, and again, I'm assuming it is, there's all of you guys that are out there helping school you know skill up our our, our our population here but internally this is a fair amount of change that you guys are going through like this you're wanting to do things different but you know academia and I'm, I'm using stereotypes is very famous for a little bit this is the way we've done it it's very institutional it's very processed it's typically slow nothing you're talking about sounds slow to me at all <laughs> no um, um, it's, 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 the, it's an equal strategic outcome of my role is <laughs> Is I need to I need to be that talent pipeline for a changing economy. I need to be a part of it, not the, yep. but a part of it. But equally important, you talk to Dr. Ross, you know, the head of SAID and, and and the team that that brought me in. They said the number, you know, one A and one B. One B is you need to you need to be a catalyst to to lighten up and emerge some of the amazing. I've met like. Tyler, I've gone through the whole of SAIT now, um, each school. There's some professors and, and teachers and, and that are just rocking it. They're doing some incredible stuff. They just haven't had the, the platform. So one of the things that I've said about SADT is let us be that garage. We use the word garage. Let us be a place where, you know, that really smart 
long-term uh, professor um, in, in the School of Construction who's doing AR, VR on the side of his desk at home, let's bring them into the lab of garage and SADT and light it up so, so that we don't have to burden those schools with having to go through all the testing and let's let us test that let us try it and then push it into the more long-running curriculum design thread that is essential when you're getting public funds you can't just spin stuff up and oh, so you guys are also acting a little bit as, as the lab as the entrepreneur, as the, the innovative little sector for also the other departments. Oh, okay, that's interesting to think about it. I, it's so, so easy to just think about it as this outward-facing service you're giving to the market, but that's not, yeah, that's, and, not and Tyler, that's, that's only one of your hats. That's one of your hats. It's funny, you know, the, one of the best ones that we're working on, and you'll love this one, is the work that we were, we're talking about doing with hospitality, hospitality and tourism, and, and, you know, the number one hospitality and tourism school in Canada. We're talking about stuff in AR, VR. I, I, I don't want to disclose it because I'll let, I'll let James, James the Dean uh, talk about it, but uh, we're doing some stuff there that'll just rock your world in terms of how we create virtual spaces for, for everything from food tasting to, to, to drinks to all sorts of stuff. Um, but my job is to, to help it just accelerate. You know, a catalyst accelerates reaction, right? That's what we do. And so that's my job. I think we're up to about 14 catalysts. We are. I I yeah, no, it's, it's excellent. It's relevant. It works. Oh, okay. That, I, I appreciate just unpacking a little bit for me the understanding of also how much you guys are there to assist and, and act as a catalyst, but accelerate all the different. Sade's been Sade for a long time, and it provides a lot of value into our ecosystem. And that's why partnering with Sade and having all the. I've had so many guests on. It's been fantastic because I've just learned more and more. Um, What's the third? We got two. We got our job changers. We have job creators. I love. I love the framework here. What's uh, what's number? Who's number three? And 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 I think you know you know me well enough, and you know you know where I came from with my book and and stuff. It's it's what I. It's the classification of people I call the future disenfranchised. So we can't build a digital economy. We can't build a new diversified economy if we leave um, three quarters of the people behind. Um, and I, and I, and I, you know, uh, there is, there's nothing I'm more passionate about is understanding how do we make the opportunity for transforming our skill sets into an opportunity for many, many more people. So I categorize that in, in, into a, a language we call the future disenfranchise, which is literally, I do not see myself in the future that you describe. And that's just untenable for me. And so we're working closely across the Calgary ecosystem, everything from CBE, K-12, Indigenous, um, the Momentum, um, you know, the, the groups there that we're saying, wait a second, our programming design has to have as a centerpiece, making sure there's an equal access to everybody. We're looking at things like, if we're going to do 5G or advanced wireless kind of way out there with TELUS or Rogers or, or those guys, why don't we make that mobile? Why don't we Why don't we create a, a, a mobile XR VR van that we can go anywhere in the city, anywhere in the world, showcase 5G technologies, and demonstrate how that works in real life? How does that actually apply to healthcare? How does it apply out in the field in rural communities, etc.? So I think Sate's taking its role very seriously as as a, as as we paint the future uh, as a digital future. 
making sure that nobody's left behind or as few as possible. So I that's out of the three that you 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 know jobs changers. I get it. Job creators. I get it. The future disenfranchised. I get it. But yet I, that was the one that overwhelmed me. That's a big lift. Like that is no easy. Like I can't do, don't don't set no, no risk of setting small goals over here. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I have to. You have to watch your. As I, as we like to say at thin air, we got to watch our say do gap on that. One. <laughs> we have to be very, very careful on what we say we're going to do and what we actually get accomplished. So yeah, that I'm, starts you know, to sound like campaign speak a little bit, almost like the things we're, the things we're going to do. <laughs> and, and I'm just not going to do that either. So I've been a little bit quiet on it, but I've got okay. team members dedicated to understanding the youth side understanding how we might create some, some strategic partnerships across the city where we can amplify that. Again, that catalyst role that says, let us use some of our capital and our expertise and our back-end systems to amplify some of the work that amazing organizations are doing, like Momentum and, and others. So, yeah. Well, that, kudos to that. I, I, the first two made a lot of sense to me. The third one makes sense. It just maybe wasn't on my radar. I didn't understand that that was necessarily part of the mandate that you guys were tackling because that's such a big... But, you know, listening to our first episode, you talked about future disenfranchised and how many people just feel like the, the future doesn't include me. And that leads to all kinds of, like, some of the, the doom and gloom prophecies around, oh, and, you know, technology's taking our jobs. And if you believe that, there's a risk of it becoming true as well, just in your own personal, you know. You, in our first episode, you brought so much of it back to, yes, we're, we're governments and provinces and businesses, but fundamentally we're a group of individuals and change starts, change starts at home, if you will. And making you feel included does a big part of encouraging people to reach out and maybe take some of these courses and, and get involved. But if you don't think it applies to you, you're not going to do it, right? That's right. That's right. Well said. Um, curious for you guys in your role in terms of, uh, I can only imagine that uh, that you are partnering. There's so many amazing like technology leaders globally, whether we're talking about Microsoft or Google or Apple or even local with TELUS and some of our big companies and some of the things they're doing. Is that a huge part of your role is partnering with those organizations for to help bring their technologies? And so many of those are the are the catalyst for a lot of the backbones of what we're talking about here. I can only imagine that's a big part of what goes on at the school is those conversations. Yeah, it, it is, and uh, you can imagine that you know I take the I take the name quite seriously. The School for Advanced Digital Technology. It's not the School for Intro to Digital. You know, it's 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 Advanced Digital Technology, and, and by definition, that's going to bump you in and require you to work very closely with with partners. But I'll say this, Tyler, and this is this is really important to my philosophy: is that I want to change the nature of the relationship between the vendor. The the, the 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 apples in the big organizations and and schools schools have always come across as sometimes as you know the poor cousin in this you know give you know, give us some technology and and I'm going nah not interested in if, if and I'm being a little cocky here but I'm saying nah <laughs> not interested. I'm not interested in the conversation uh, with a big vendor that says, well, we'll give you a bunch of gear and showcase your gear and, 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 but, and then we'll give you some, nah, no, 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 no. We're going to play an ecosystem game here. We're going to understand what are your job skills that you need at XYZ tech company. So how can we support that? Second is how do we create visibility into where you're headed in terms of your plans and future and, and so forth? And how do we inject that into not a vendor-specific course, but a course that talks about digital literacy and, and so forth. So that's second. Okay. And then third is, you know, I want, I, I, I envision that, that we create spaces and places where 
everybody's technology can be showcased. I'm really going to resist this idea of it's going to be the XYZ uh, lab for the future. Yeah, the the, the brand the the branded lab. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I you know, and and that I may I may get my knuckles wrapped on that one. But at the end of the day, ecosystem thinking in education requires a, a level of trust and, and transparency that is essential if we're going to be equal partners in the conversation. We need to be the talent accelerators, but at the same time, we need those who are making the investments in the future technologies to be seen, seeing us as equal partners. So that's it's all, so. The answer to your question is absolutely. I'm, I'm open. I'm open for those conversations. But because I come from the entrepreneurial world and the venture capital world, I I, I, I get you know who has the who has the cards and who has the ability to. Influence, and I'm just trying to shift that equation a bit. So, it's I love how you guys are basically you're reframing every version of it. What's the new model? What's the, that partnership look like? Is it no? It's not just the branded lab. It's actually an integrated way of providing the highest value to the to the individuals that are participating. Uh, where do you guys look for inspiration? So, <laughs> I would love to you know. This is great. You guys are creating a unique version of it, but there's also got to be places around the world where you look and go, wow, we really love what the, a piece of what they did. Just curious of any of the thought leadership you're saying. I love, you know, Beg, Borrow, Steal. You know, who, who's, who's got this piece of what we're trying to do figured out? And just curious, what's on your radar globally, even for, even North, beyond North America? Yeah, I think, I think um, a great question. And I'll, I'll be honest, um, not enough of it is, is hitting my radar right now because my head's okay. a bit down. But, but let me a little head down, ass up, Jim, these days. Yeah, that's right. But let me give you a couple of examples where, where, where um, and I'm going to plug, plug a program that, that, that just happened. And, and it's an example of where the change is happening. We intersected with an organization um, that was actually led by a Canadian professor, a doctor, a doctorate, um, PhD, um, who made his way over to University College London. So UCL is one of the top schools in, in the world um, as a, as a post-secondary in, um, in, uh, in, in London, in the UK. And long story short, they create, this, this professor uh, created a program that eventually became an integrated capstone pro program for all undergrad programs within UCL and basically took together everything from the humanities, science, and brought together project teams that then went on an intensive program to identify solutions to the, to the UN sustainability goals. Oh, and so they basically created these intense project teams randomly put together from multiple disciplines as a capstone project and then turned their attention to the UN sustainability goals. And they created this integrated capstone in a university that's 250 years old that hasn't changed in, 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 in millennia. And they changed the whole way they thought of capstone. We intercepted with them about two years ago at Thin Air Labs. And long story short, they brought a program called How to Change the World, which is, is this ability to bring integrated disciplines from art, science, and humanities together to focus problems on the, on the future real problems of the world. Well, we ran a pilot just in March with, with our biz school and our ICT, our technology school, and my school. We had 20 of our students in it, it was just, and, some and it was just a blast. It was this real heads up. Because if you're 20-something, Tyler, you, uh, this is one broad brush I'll make. The 20-somethings of 
today versus you and I when we were 20 are far more global thinking. That's my, that's what I'm seeing. They're aware of the problems in the world. Anyways, long story short, that's an example of a program that we want to bring to state. And somebody goes, what does that have to do with digital? And I said, the future solutions to the world's sustainability and, and challenges are all going to be digital. Yes, they're going to be human. Yes, they're going to be. But we can't do sustainable energy. We can't do the changes in our big, big systems if we don't think digital first. And, and, and so that's, that, when somebody looks at me and goes, well, that feels like a humanities project. Well, humanity is turning digital. And these solutions, if they're going to be global, have to be digital. So there's an example of a program that we just intercepted with. And we just, in two months, we were up and running. And it was fantastic. That ability to adapt something. I love the idea of, you know, you have a bunch of data science scientists sitting around the room and you give them a problem to solve. They'll solve it with a similar set of filters, but you throw a bunch of, you know, random, you know, asteroids in the room and, you know, sure, digital might be the levers we pull, but how do we think about the problem, unpack the problem and approach it? That is how real change is happening at the organizational level as well. There's different people in the room, the Correct. subject matter expert versus the blockchain expert. Bolt them together. Well, then you get a solution that's really tied to the subject matter, but then also using the specific technology if that if that's the right you know if that's the right block to take off the shelf if you will and, and it's we're interesting trying i love the future of the, as that becomes place. more integrated together and we're trying to make sure tyler that's a safe place to do that one of the things that we're investigating is what are the tools when you start to bring virtual teams from around the world and and physical and virtual but if you bring people from different walks of life different what how do you create safe places how do you create you know, how do you adhere to security and privacy around some sort of, you know, so we can't just mash people together and go, hey, you know, come up with an answer. We have to give yeah. them the tools and the ways that, that they can explore these things. And so that's, I think, one of the mandates of the School for Advanced Digital Technology is to create those frameworks that diverse teams in digital context can actually solve problems. Um, because those the, tools, the base of that pyramid is always still trust, right? Trust and yeah, security. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I appreciate that. It's so easy to go, talk to me about VR. Talk about blockchain. When, you know, and I think this, this is the common theme that certainly pulls from our first episode. It, it's still a bunch of humans having individual human experiences and going through change and adaptation and resiliency and you know, feeling maybe that the, they had signed up to a certain social contract that now all of a sudden has been drastically changed, especially in the last 12 months. <laughs> has the yeah. last 12 months accelerated things for you guys? Like, there's always the, well, five months of, you know, five years of digital transformation in, in five months and all those phrases that have come up through the course of COVID. You, you know, you guys were already on the journey. Has, what's changed in the, last, in the last year? Are you seeing companies embracing what you do more? Like, are, are we getting there faster because of COVID? Um, so a couple of hats I wear on that that question. So on a on a on a SATE on a SATE um, journey, I think I think I think the, as I like to say, the tent pegs of the tent have all been not all of them, but three out of the four have been pulled. <laughs> the hurricane out. came and it's basically holding on by one by yeah, one Yeah, and so yeah, there's a lot happening there, and I feel for the executive leadership of of any post secondary. It's it's I have such respect for the complexity of the challenges, and I think. My experience with all the people who are going through that is that they're embracing it. They really are. They're saying this is a once in a in a in a lifetime opportunity to reimagine. Mm -hmm. We've accelerated, you know, twelve years of change in twelve months, and 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 so I think that I think that yes, the acceleration is there. I think making sense of it all now, 
as we kind of finally make our way through is going to take take a bit of time and, and I'm doing a lot of that's book number two by the way and that's coming out <laughs> nice. but but on a thin air lab side we're really seeing the momentum on a capital side we're starting to see the deal flow start to emerge and so that's very healthy and very natural where the ecosystem is so um, but you know we're, we as, as I said two years ago we still have a long way to go and we still do well, I think you said we were ten years late to a twenty-year plan. If I'm going to, if I'm going to quote you from yeah, two don't years bring ago, the, you bring that up, and I'm going to get in trouble again for that. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, Jim. It was gold. I couldn't leave it sitting. You said a few other things. I'm not going to bring up. So, I, like, if I, but please, if anyone's curious, there's a plug. Go back and listen to episode number one. There's some gold in there for sure. That I'm out of respect for my guests. I'm not going to bring it up today. No. <laughs> <laughs> I reserve the right to chair to change my opinion two years later. Yeah. Oh, I love the uh, 10 years late to 20 year plan. Uh, curious, and maybe this is a hand slapper, so I don't want to get too. How are we doing as a province? Are we setting ourselves up like at a government level? Are we incentivizing the right things and removing friction from the other things? From Because I know that the world of education and the world of government, there's, there, there's some things going on there. I'm, I'm just curious, is any of that getting in your guys' way? Or are we starting to, again, government's role, my opinion, is to remove friction and to allow industry and allow things to move forward. Is that happening at the level it needs to be? Or do we need to do better there? I think I think there's some goods, bads, and some uglies, right? I think there's some good. The good, I think the, I think I think the understanding that with 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 uh, uh, with not a lot of intervention, but some fine tuning of 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 the investment climate, that that innovation, investment, private capital, doesn't take a lot to turn that flywheel. And I think I think the current minister is, is starting to understand. That again, not with heavy intervention, but just enough starts to turn that. Um, okay. Um, that that's that I think I think that's happening. Um, more faster, bigger, all of those adjectives all apply to that. But but I think at least that flywheel is turning in the right direction. I think from you know I I'll be careful on the post secondary stuff because I think there's some reports that are coming down that we need to. We need to evaluate. There's the 2030 okay. report that we need to understand. Kind of that thinking. I think the post-secondaries are 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 going to start to have to reimagine their business models and, and so forth. Whether it's right or wrong, I think the world is is coming at it pretty hard and pretty quick. Whether the government's helping or not, I I, I need to see some more stuff, and I'd probably leave that to Dr. Ross to kind of figure out. From my world, from my perch, nah, it's not affecting my ability to deliver the talent pipeline for the city at, at all. Um, there's, and I'll be honest, that's because David Bissett put up his hand and said, you know, I want, I'm going to give thirty million dollars. Oh, speaking of catalysts, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and David said, yeah, that's just a down payment. I want this. Hey, all of you guys who made a fortune in energy, I'm coming for you because I want you to recognize that this transition to digital requires investment, and we can't only rely on on one source of that that income. So, you know, are things getting in the? I think, I think, I think the most important thing that it, we have to be. This is the more of the ugly side. We got to mm-hmm. we got to start telling better stories. So you know, Tyler, your your podcast and what you do is is so essential for that 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 telling of the stories. We're telling all the wrong stories. Like, like again, I'm not. No, everyone everyone knows this, but um, there are so many good things happening that we just have to say, you know what? That's just noise. 
some of the political stuff and some of the political conversations is, is a bit, there are some amazing things. But more importantly, as I said at the very beginning, and I say this all, I say this every time I can, Alberta has the right to be a leader in the main, in the systems of change for the world. And I, I, I'm not being dramatic. We absolutely have leadership in energy, ag, water, food, health. And we're, we're allowing this, this noise to distract us from actually, you know, being at the starting block of fundamental uh, change that's happening in all those areas. And I see it everywhere. Where are those stories coming out? And that's why I, I just, I love coming back on the show and, I love, and, and talking to you, coming and seeing this full circle. You're the storytellers that we need to continue to get out there. Let's forget about the noise. So that's the ugly. Good, not so good, and that's the ugly. No, I appreciate that. And that's, you know, that was part of the whole, like, there's too many good things happening. Why aren't we talking about them? Well, hey, maybe we should start a show and start, you know, and start. I had uh, Nick, uh, Nicholas Helsom, uh, Nicholas Beek from Helsom on a while back. And I said to him, I said, hey, what's one of the measurements that you'll know that, that will let you know we're on the right track? He's like, you know, when all the doom and gloom headlines are on the second page, because all the innovation and fun, you know, those are all on the front lines. And, you know, he did say bluntly, when the reason, when, when the price of oil is on the second page and all that other stuff on the first page, that's when I know Calgary's well, on the right track. Yeah. And it always stuck with me. Because I thought it was a great little armchair metric that's like, ah, you know what? We're shifting what we think is important to something Nick, else. What you focus on, it's amazing. It oh, starts to become great. reality, right? Yeah, Nick's great. He's on my advisory committee, and I need to reach out to him. He's, 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 yeah, he's a rock star. He's, yeah, he's a rock I've got star a lot of time for him. So, hey, we'll finish off with some, maybe some words of advice and some thoughts. I love the three categories, the job changers, job creators, and the future disenfranchised. So I'm a job changer. I'm listening right now. Words, words, words of advice from the uh, from the chief catalyst. Um, the 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 future is is there for you, so don't be discouraged. There is there is tremendous need for the talent of uh, of both experience and and the professional aspect of somebody who's been in the in the work. You don't need to be a coder to participate in the digital economy. The digital firms and the firms that are scaling and the, where all the new jobs are coming from, they need the mature, what I call mature and vaccinated approach that, that, that people have. And so don't just, you know, get digitally aware. You know, so our boot camps are geared for that kind of thing. So it gets you into the vocabulary. But there's other programs across the city. But number one piece of advice for the job changers is recognize your skills are transferable. Um, you may you may have to be the storyteller of why, but but find out and uh, and uh, you know happy to help on on that journey. But but don't be discouraged. What I heard loud and clear is don't necessarily wait for your organization to help create that change for you. Take responsibility and like I, I'm all big on personal ownership. Get out there, take a weekend course, yeah. take two days. And there's a there's a difference between being a coder and just having digital literacy and just understanding what AI even means and how it works. And you know that is if if you don't want to get left behind, like you, you almost have to force yourself to be curious and go down the rabbit hole a little bit on some of these technologies. Doesn't mean you have to be do that for for a living. And I think sometimes it does get put in this all or nothing. Category, and I think that sells it short. <laughs> Job creators, advice. Um, there's never been a better time in the history of our species to be an entrepreneur. Um, full stop. So, as you think of you, as you're if you're young or you're not, but you're or you're looking to join a startup or or whatever, um, I can tell you there is never an easier or better time than to 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 find a partner, find a co-conspirator 
and go go after something or join it, you know, get some get cut cut your teeth in in in, in the entrepreneurial world. Even though it may not be your last job or you may get you know, you may do something else, it'll give you a sense of what the different success vectors are for being in a startup. Just just experience what that's like. So for the job creator market is is this is this is if you have any spark of entrepreneurialism, go for it. Don't you love when we were younger? If you said you wanted to be an entrepreneur, you got sent to remedial class. <laughs> it was it was it was it was not the uh, it was not um, prized and showcased and you know uh, immortalized in popular culture and media like it is today. I think yeah. that's an amazing shift. It's kind of like we're going back when you know a hundred years ago, everyone had their own gig, or maybe one hundred fifty years ago, and then we got into this no no get the job and do the thing. And I love how it's almost come full circle, but the land of op- the opportunity and the future disenfranchised, which is which is a bigger group, and that that definitely feels like the kind of the ha- higher order benefit you guys are after. Um, the, some of the advice that I give on that, it, it is a more complicated brush to, to broad, but one of the, you know, you know, my affinity and my, my, my love of, of the rainforest group and, and Bridget and her team and the group we started with Brad, you know, five years ago, rainforestab.ca is, is a place where you can find your tribe, right? Is, is, you know, you may not, you may have been struggling to find your place in kind of the broader world of, of digital or even the broader world of, of the economy. There's a group of people who there who, you know, by and large have, have written and signed a social contract that says, I'm going to help. I'm going to actually ask. I'm going to I'm going to reach out and I'm going to trust and give give before I ask. And, and so that's a great group. The folks at um, uh, the folks at Momentum as well um, on, who are looking at really channeling programs from the feds and, and, and the provincial governments to, to, to say, you know, I, I don't have the resources. I, I, I'm a, a single mom with two kids, and, and how do I how do I manage that? We're starting to look at more sophisticated programs around how do I how do I how do I shift and get you, get get things started. So there's areas there. So um, the ecosystem's figuring it out. Um, the programs are there. They're often not perfectly described or easy to get to, but but stay with it and find that you know. A, I'd start start at the rainforest and start there. For someone who's just you know technology curious and kind of the future curious, is coming to the state school of digital technology is that the right place? Like there, there there's a place for them, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, absolutely, I think I think in, and as our programs expand our our digital transformation talent hub, our DX talent hub, the programs that we're launching um, over the next six months keep keep tuned to that. They're really perfect because they're tighter, shorter. Our School of Con Ed as well. Take a look at some of those those programs. But SADT is really going to be focused around some of those cutting edge uh, opportunities that will, you know, won't be two or three years long in a degree program. They're going to be these right. certifications and 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 rapid uh, boot camp type approaches where people can go through and get exposure and then decide where to go deeper if they wish. So this is a perfect kind of get started place for that for sure. Okay. I really appreciated what you shared today that also the influence that, you know, your department is able to have on the rest of the of the rest of the school and all of the different kind of well-established programs that are there as technology, you know, technology isn't a sector. It's it's an underpinning of of everything going forward and I didn't realize just it's good to understand the relationship of how it works and how it's, you know, over time it's going to just keep affecting more and more of the whole state ecosystem again to overuse that word again. There you go. 
Jim, um, someone wants to reach out, obviously they can go. You guys have a fantastic website. What, what are the best ways to get in touch and kind of learn more and hopefully sign up for something and get involved? So come, you know, come through the, on the SAIT side, come through the main, main dark, you know, SAIT.ca, look, look, you know, check out the, the School for Advanced Digital Technology. You'll see some of the programming there. Take a look, especially right now, for something called the DX Hub. The DX Talent Hub is really where a lot of the programs are, so that's underneath my school. Um, but but start coming through that front door and and and, and look at that. Um, second area is you know reach out reach out to me personally. I mean, you know me, Tyler. I mean um, that's part of um, the way this needs to be. And so you know I'm Jim Gibson at um, Track me down. It, I got lots on my plate, but I'm I'm delighted to to talk to people who are saying, "Hey, I need some help. Where where would you suggest?" So, um, you keep your eyes peeled. The marketing team at SAID is really starting to get its language around what is digital transformation, how that works. So keep posted on that. So thank you for that, um, and uh, yeah, stay tuned. Jim, thank you so much for coming on. I don't know. Do you want to just book in two years from now now for our next episode? Yeah, let's do it. Seems, it. Like, it seems like it seems like it works. It's done. I, I, I have a I'll, feeling you and I will cross paths long before then. I'm really honored to, and, and kudos to you for keeping this going. And as I said earlier, the telling of stories is the only thing holding us back from being a province where people really understand the game is changing. So thank you for what you're doing. My pleasure. I really appreciate the feedback and always love our chats. Thank you, Jim. It was an absolute pleasure. You're welcome. 